0: Hi, and welcome to the Burning Ones podcast. Our desire is to see people all around the world burn for one name, Jesus. We pray that you experience the love and power of him through this journey. Thank you for joining us and may burning witnesses arise. We're gonna jump right into Isaiah chapter nine. Uh, And I know that immediately for some of us, when I say Isaiah chapter nine, maybe we hop a little further along than where it is that we're going to be looking. Um, Typically in a season like this, we create a real point of emphasis. Um, And let's just go ahead and say, you're not gonna go wrong with creating emphasis regardless of where you look. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm not saying that one is right, one is wrong. I'm not saying that we should do, shouldn't do. Um, All I'm saying is that for our time together right now, uh, and what I feel to communicate to you, and to hopefully see get branded on our hearts this season is we are going to back up a couple of verses from where typically the point of emphasis gets created, um, especially when you look to Isaiah in Christmas time, right? When you look to Isaiah in any time, but like I said, the Advent season, the season of incarnation, the season when we are specially reminded uh, that there are certain Time periods and seasons over the course of the year where our attention adjusts. It's not that these things aren't real to us at all times. They are real to us at all times. They are foundational to the faith that we have, to the allegiance that we've pledged, to the life that we have laid down, to the surrender that we are living out and cultivating to this wonderful, beautiful, broken man, King Jesus. These things are foundational, they are fundamental. So it's not that they ever escape our attention tension. But the point is, is that over the course of the year, there are unique time periods where certain things, certain truths, certain beautiful things about the way that the Lord reveals himself and certain things about himself get emphasized. Uh, And this is one of those seasons. Christmas season. um, For some, uh, I know that this is going to be devastating. It's not about Christmas trees. It's not about Santa Claus costumes, um, even if they get voted best costume at a costume party. It's not about Santa Claus costumes. Um, it's, not about, it's not about any of these things. Um, and if you have little children around, I, I won't tell them that, you know, the deal with Santa Claus, uh, for whoever you may be watching with, we will just keep that. Um, but in Isaiah chapter nine, we find something that is, it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. This Advent season, you know, Advent can be defined as God's appearing, His coming, um, Him being revealed. And we know that to be, obviously, what we have deemed to be the Christmas story, which is the moment of incarnation. Right? Mary has this beautiful this crazy encounter with Gabriel when Gabriel comes and she's really perplexed, she's confused, she's overwhelmed, like, yo, hold on. Like, man, I know that this encounter is real, I know. Um, that, that I'm in a moment of divine interaction, intersection. God is releasing details of divine design. These are things that are bound up in the heart of God for my life. So she doesn't ultimately reject it, um, but but she's she's puzzled for sure, as as any of us would be. Um, and you realize that there are times when God comes. Messengers come. And by messengers, I I mean, as in Mary's case, there's an angelic intersection, right? Hebrews 1, aren't angels ministering spirits sent to assist those who are going to inherit salvation? Um, Daniel says, I was praying. A man flew in the window. I wasn't really, you know, that shook by it. I had seen him in a vision before. Gabriel had come. Hey, I heard you the first day you started praying. Um, He says, God heard you. And the father gave me instructions to come and to bring you insight. I've been bound up in the heavens. There's been powers. There's been a wrestling with principalities. Um, You know, you were here fasting and praying, believing, contending. Uh, Thank God that you were continuing on. Uh, There was a release in the heavens. I've come to bring you insight, understanding, pertaining to the things that you're confused about that God has revealed to you. And Mary is, she's caught up in this moment. And Gabriel says to her, Don't worry. God's going to overshadow you. Says he's going to overshadow you. The power of the most high. The power of Yahweh. Will overshadow you. And he will. Birth within you. His desires. A holy seed. A baby boy. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will be a deliverer and he will save his people. God has come with a solution to the chaos. God has come with an answer to the current of wickedness. God is providing an answer. He is providing breakthrough, but it's not just a what, it's a who. And the who is not just anybody, but it is God himself. God is releasing the solution by revealing himself in a way that humanity had not yet seen him, known him, and quite honestly, had a difficult time receiving him and embracing him with the way that he had chosen to come. And this is what we're going to read in Isaiah chapter nine. I know that uh, again, as I started, typically we jump all the way down to verse six, verse seven. Uh, And these verses are amazing. Again, all of the Bible is amazing. So we're not trying to make it sound like one part is more important than the other. Verses six and seven for a child will be born to us and a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forever for the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That's six and seven. Amazing. Praise God. Let's back it up to verses one and two, which is where we're going to just take a couple of moments. We're going to look at these verses and quite possibly consider a thought that maybe has not yet found itself into our Christmas season because of all of the other things that have gained access to our attention and have put a demand on us seeing them and hearing them. Starting in verse one, Isaiah says, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt but later on he shall make it glorious by way of the sea on the other side of the Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light and those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. Listen to that again. The people who walk in darkness they will see a great light. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. In this Christmas season, as we always are, we are beautifully reminded that God has come, that he's come to us, that he's chosen to insert himself in the story of humanity in a very unique way. That he didn't ultimately choose to reveal himself as some overarching deity looking down upon humanity, choosing to create distance from them because of their wickedness, their brokenness, because of the frailty of their humanity. No, no, this is not what God did. God didn't choose in order to shame us by revealing how awesome and mighty and holy and beautiful and powerful and perfect he was. No, this isn't what he did. He didn't attempt to just condemn us by way of putting the mirror up in front of us and constantly pointing the finger into all of our sorrows and the depths of our suffering and what all of us deep down on the inside already realize. What is it that we already realize? Uh, We already realize what it is that I realized in the moments before I had my time when Jesus came to me. You see, I would walk the streets late at night when, now this is years ago, this is 20 plus years ago. Um, Walk the streets late at night, wasted out of my mind, drug addicted, um, in and out of jail, on and on. There are places where my testimony is, uh, I share it frequently um, because I believe that God is revealed in the midst of it. Um, And you should believe that about your testimony too. Um, But I would walk the street at night when all the crowds were gone, the partying was done. The extracurricular activities were over and with tears running down my face, with sorrow that had filled my soul in a more abundant way than I even knew how to communicate and more than all of the world's satisfactions knew how to deal with. And I would look up into the sky and I would say things like, man, I don't know if you or who or what is even out there. And I would say, but I've heard people talk about you. I've heard them say things about you, but I don't even know if you're real. And not only do I not know if you're real, but I don't know if you want anything to do with me because of where I am, because of who I am and how I am, because of the way that I've chosen to live my life, the brokenness that I can't seem to fix and all of these shattered pieces and the desperation and the darkness That has completely overcome me from the inside. But this is what I do know. That if you're not real, I'm going to die where I am. I'm going to die being the only person that I know how to be. I'm going to die in this dark hole. Because I want to be different. I want to change. I want to believe that there's hope and that there's a future. Um, But this is what I do know is that I don't have the power to change. And so if you're not really out there, and if the way that I've heard people talk about you is not really true, then I have nothing. You see, it was months and months that this was the story, the conversation, the ongoing dialogue that had filled my heart see, what I didn't know is that I was praying. What I didn't know is that I was crying out to God. What I didn't understand is that I was seeking because the Lord had already drawn near to me and I just didn't realize it. But this is what Isaiah is communicating to us. Isaiah says that it'll be those who live in darkness, those who dwell in darkness, those who occupy dark, broken places. He says, those who live in a dark land they're the ones that are going to see a bright light. Those who feel like their lot is suffering and trial and tribulation and persecution and problems. The dark hour of the soul, the dark night of the soul. It's to those that Isaiah is prophesying to. It's to those who already realize their brokenness. They already realize their hopelessness right? right? Not many of us need somebody to come along with a megaphone and to piggyback the way that we already feel about ourselves. I didn't need somebody in that season to remind me why I was going to hell. Although there were many street preachers that did. I didn't need somebody conversationally as I bumped into them, wherever it was that I would have been doing the things that I was doing to continue to echo what was already screaming loudly on the inside of my soul. You're not worth it. You're not worth it. You're gonna die. There's a place for people like you. Those who die without the knowledge of God and an allegiance that have been pledged to his son, Jesus, as king. There's a place for people like you. I already knew that. I didn't have to wait to go to hell. I was already living in it. I didn't need somebody to piggyback the conversation that was already happening in my heart. But you see, that that's not what Isaiah is doing when I read these verses that that's not what he's doing. And I'm not saying that there's not different moments, where in the truth we are confronted with who we are and how we are, and that there's not moments where we've yielded to demonic inspiration and agenda and all of these types of things, that there's not moments when we're bound and we're captive and we become prisoners, whether it be to a demonic ideology, whether it be to real practices and the cultivation of certain things like witchcraft and black magic and occultism and uh, voodoo and, and all of these things. I get all of that. I, I get all of that. But listen to what Isaiah says. The people who walk in darkness, they're going to see a bright light. Paul saw a bright light. But Paul was living in self-righteousness. Paul saw a bright light. Paul thought he was the man. Paul thought he was upholding all the standards. Paul thought he had it all together. Paul was zealous. Zealous. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Paul was one that excelled above all of his contemporaries and felt like he was in the way. And he was. He was in the way. And a bright light shined. And Jesus came to him and revealed himself. And Paul recognized the depths of his brokenness. You see, sometimes it's in the bright light of the coming of Christ where we can see clearly, where we can begin to understand where we are against where it is that God desires for us to be. You see, it's the enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We know that, John ten ten. You see, the enemy has a way of promising us life, but it leads to death. The enemy has a way of promising us things that They sound good. They feel good. They satisfy in an immediate way. But that's the only way that it could satisfy is in an immediate way. Because in an ultimate concern, it leads to death. He promises you the things right now, right away, that you think you want most, that at times you feel You should have. And the world has all of its glistening lights. The world has all of its attractions, all of its persuasions. The world has a bunch of conversations in order to lead us into things that should make us believe that they will satisfy us. But God says sin is pleasurable for a season. And the enemy has a way of dangling carrots out in front of us and getting us to chase things. That in a momentary way, it feels like it satisfies. It feels like it gives us life. But in the end, it leads to death. Listen to that. He promises you life, but it leads to death. Jesus, on the other hand, is attempting to put to death things in you so that he can lead you to life. You see, what we realize in this season is that God has inserted himself into the story of humanity not in a way that's condemning or shameful, not in a way that reveals his superiority, although it does, he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. He is the spotless lamb, no blemish, no wrinkle. He is the perfect offering, the sacrifice, the high priest. He made atonement, he satisfied it for humanity. We get that, but he came And he didn't just come, he came as a man. He entered into the human story by entering into humanity. God chose to put on human flesh. And I know that in this season, there's a lot of things that tend to distract us. Um, Maybe your love language or one of your love languages is gifts, right? We understand love languages and, you know, Gary Chapman, he's the man and, you know, all of that. Um, So we understand one of the love languages is gifts. And in this season, especially, there's a lot of heightened attention on gifts, material things, right? We we tend to value and weigh things and create different lists of priorities and, you know, things that we've been desiring and hoping for and, you know, yada, 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 on and on. Um, But the thing that we should remember materially in this season is not all of those peripheral materialistic things but it's that God became a material thing. He became a man. And he joined in on the journey of humanity. And he entered into the womb of a woman and he was birthed into the human life and experience to come close to us. You see, the love that Jesus has for us, it severed the distance that existed between us. Right, right. That's what, that's what love really does. It eliminates the distance. Um, anywhere that you find that you are creating distance, you are growing out of love. <laughs> um, when you are creating distance, you are growing out of love. Um, but the love that Jesus has for you and for me eliminated the distance and he came as close as he knew how to come. And he entered into the human story as a man. And it should tell us something in this season. Uh, because for many of us one of the ways that we would talk about this year especially 2020 is we would say that 2020 has been a mess right you can attest to that 2020 has been a mess Um, our social situation in certain ways has become a mess our economic situation in certain ways has become a mess. Our political scenario in a lot of ways has become a mess. Our governmental structures and nations and nation against nation and uprising and agendas and corruption and all of these things, um, it always has been a mess, but there's been a heightened way that certain things have been highlighted over the course of this year that it's a mess. Uh, But maybe that's also the way that this season tends to remind us about our own family life. Maybe the way that we think about our family life in this season, because I get it in this season, there's Hallmark movies, right? Everything has a happy ending, right? Every love story goes the right way, right? All of every child's desire in the Hallmark movies, always in the end, right? Ends up getting fulfilled. I, I get all of that. Hallmark, cool. For those of us who dig Hallmark movies like Steve, um, I did that for him. Um, but for some of us, th- that's not our real life. <laughs> ah. he- he's been saying that I've been telling people that he likes Hallmark movies and I have not been doing that. So I figured if he was going to say that about me, I might as well do that. So at least now it's true. <laughs> but for some of us, we're not living in a Hallmark movie. And for some of us, it- it's a whole lot easier to forget about and to try to bury to try to sweep it under the rug of our heart and our life, the chaos, the trouble, the trauma that floods our family dynamics. Um, But holidays have a unique way of reminding us. Holidays have a unique way of continuing to reveal to us the depths of brokenness sometimes that fills even our own personal life as it relates to Maybe our house, family, extended friends, so on and so on. So maybe we don't have to look at the rest of the world's woes and all of society's issues in order to create the mess. Right? Maybe sometimes that's not even necessarily the mess that gets to us the most. Maybe it's the mess that floods our own family and the contending for the darkness, the brokenness, the sense of God's desires being realized, and us being aware that there are certain things that we are still contending for that are just not right. Um, because we all know that in this season there are a lot of people that hide behind a smile. They hide behind Christmas music. They hide behind gifts and parties and things of that nature. But there is a suffering that fills the soul. You know, it's what's always been beautiful to me about the story of the woman with the issue of blood, right? We find that, uh, I believe it's Matthew 9 and Mark 5 and Luke 8. Um, But we always find where Jesus says to her, your faith has made you whole. Yes, but he also says to her, Be set free from your suffering. And we know that in this season that there's a variety of ways that people are suffering. Maybe it's the broken relationships in our family that, man, I've I've just got people in my family that don't believe. and, And man, my heart burns for them. It's jealous to see them encounter God. It's jealous to see the bright light shine in their heart and for christ to be revealed in them and to them and for them to come to a beautiful place of surrender the pledging of their allegiance the committing of their devotion and loving obedience to him for the remainder of their days or maybe it is that we've got a family of believers and our family is still dysfunctional right let's just let's just keep it real right like D- don't try to pretend that because we all love Jesus, that that automatically makes everything picture perfect and Hallmark movie ish in our family lives. Um, right. Some of us, we all love Jesus. We all have a language of loving Jesus, um, but there are still very real things of reconciliation, very real things of hostility and trauma and trials that even in a familial way and the dynamics of all of our relationship and the connectivity of those relational things that it just honestly, it needs a lot of help. Um, God has come in this season to remind us that help has come. God has come And what it tells me by Jesus entering into the human story, by God entering into humanity, literally, not just entering into humanity as another deity that would peruse around as some glowing orb of light, so to speak. You you do understand God could have chosen to come as anything. He could have come in the form of a star. He could have come in angelic type form he could have come as a chair he could have come as anything he wanted to but he came as a man he came as a human to reveal his desire for humans he came as a human and think about this god limited himself to the weakness of humanity being wholly dependent upon the power of the spirit To dwell, to tabernacle, to abide in the midst of us, desiring to be close to us with the hopeful offer that he was longing to embrace us. If this season should remind us of anything, it should remind us of this. That God is not afraid to put a man in the middle of our mess. He's not afraid to put a man in the middle of our mess. Um, For Jesus, we know it well in Luke, he says, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. In another place in the gospel, he said, I didn't come for those who are well, but I came for those who are in need of a doctor, right? Those who know that they're not right. Those who are sick, those who are broken, those who are desperate, right? These are the people that Isaiah is prophesying about. And I want to encourage you in this season that if you feel like you're living through an experience that doesn't necessarily match the Christmas card expectations of what this season is always supposed to look like and feel like, that it is not right for us to continue to live in pretense and to pretend and to attempt to persuade people that we're actually doing better than we are in real time. Um, Because God is not intimidated by the brokenness that we experience. God is not afraid of the darkness at times that our lives occupy. He's not put off by the different trials, the hostility, the trauma, the suffering. Um, As a matter of fact, again, if this season should remind you of anything It's that God has always had a desire to put a man in the middle of the mess. And Jesus came and he didn't just come and hover above us, but he came down and he walked among us and he came close and he embraced. He touched, he talked, he preached hope. He walked with us. He ate with us. He died for us. He conquered death for us. He overcame sin for us he was raised from the dead as the firstborn from the dead on behalf of us so that he might be preeminent in all things and he is alive now on the other side of death as a glorified human forever ascended into the heavens where we know hebrews tells us he is now making intercession But I believe that in this season, um, God has a desire to put a man in the middle of the mess. Um, Because Jesus said, it's better for you that I go, right? John 16, seven. He says, because I will send another to be with you. He said, I know you thought it was super cool as long as I was walking beside you, but I've always had an ultimate desire to take up residency on the inside of you. And now like Colossians one, it is this hope. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. So now he's in us and he's become the pattern for us. And in this season, um, our lives being conformed to his image, rather than attempting to create distance and rather than attempting to simply wield the truth to folks in an attempt to just simply echo. Um, Quite possibly what's already resounding on the inside of their hearts and lives. I believe that God has a desire to put a man in the middle of the mess. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you in your house. Maybe that's you in your family. Maybe that's you with your workplace. Maybe that's you um, for those of us who are able to go to a school campus. Maybe that's you in whatever hostile social situation you may be in. Um, Maybe that's you in the midst of all of these political narratives and all of these very heated um, conversations about the political situation at large. I believe that God has a desire to put a man in the middle of the mess. Uh, And by man, that doesn't mean that I'm creating an exemption from you ladies. You do understand I'm using man in a general overall term. Um, but that God has a desire to put a man in the middle of the mess that we might be a bright light, that we might be a hope filled people, that we might come with the announcement that Christ has come for those of us who feel lost, that Christ has come for those of us who feel buried in our brokenness, that Christ has come. For those of us who feel like we are too far gone or too distant for God's interests to be aroused in our direction. For those of us who feel like we've made way too many wrong decisions and that we are just the sum total of all of the wrong things that we've ever done over the course of our journey up until this point. Maybe it's for you and for me that God has a desire that we might be the person that he's able to place in the middle of the mess. Maybe it's just that, that God has a hope that maybe what he's done for us, he can now use us as another entry point into the world and the world's experience, the journey that humanity is on in order to be a preacher of hope. In order to be a beacon of bright light, in order to be that light tower, that city on a hill, that person who's set apart, but not just set apart because you're creating distance, but you're set apart in a way that it actually creates hope and it begets hope. I'd like for you to consider as I read these verses one more time. The people who walk in darkness, again, this is Isaiah 9. I'm going to read verses uh, or just verse 2. We read verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read just verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Man, what if we championed that this season? What if we made that a fiery purpose in our own hearts and lives? Man, like, Lord, if you brought me around anybody, because what I'm not going to do is just try to hide out, right? And live in my own little self absorbed Christian bubble where I'm trying to escape life and all of the problems and the scenarios that are unfolding around me so that I can just create distance. And so that I don't have to deal with that madness. I'm tired of, you know, having to create intersections with nonsense and it's tiring, man. Like it just, and honestly, it just gets on my nerves and I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of seeing it. Like, Lord, just give me a way where I can have rest, just give me a way where I can get away. What what, what if that's not the goal? Man, praise God that Jesus didn't remain in a perfect place because he didn't want to deal with a broken place. Um, He could have remained in a perfect place had he chosen to not want to deal with a broken place and the broken pieces. Um, Praise God that he's not like us right? Praise God that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. Uh, we get that, but we don't even get to create excuses or exemptions because of that, because it'd be one thing if God only and always remained on the outside of us, but this is where the excuses, um, it's where they get clipped. It's where the exemptions get severed. Uh, God doesn't only exist on the outside of us. He's alive on the inside of us. It's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. Um, You see, it's Christ in you that's able to give real power and real grace to allow you to insert yourself once again into those chaotic, broken moments and places. You see, it's Christ in you that fuels your desire because you've delighted yourself in the Lord, and when he's become all things to you... All things that fill his heart fill your heart because he's become everything. So anything that's in us is because he is in us. And when he is in us, it also means that he's no longer only on the outside of us. And so those who walk in darkness, they will see a great light. Thank you, Jesus for not just enjoying the comforts of heaven and choosing that because of your comforts and luxuries, you were going to be unwilling to enter into what looked like the dark, broken uncertainty of humanity. But you came to be with us. You joined us on the journey. You came close. You preached hope. You healed, you delivered. You restored, you raised from the dead. You worked miracles and you multiplied to those who had need. Thank you for coming and being a bright light. Man, I'm really praying that as we continue through this season, that we would consider the way that we posture our lives and the way that we look to interact with scenarios and circumstances and people and that we would understand that there is still a great jealousy that God has to come close to the brokenness that is alive and resides on the inside of humanity. He loves his people. And he loves his people so much that he's willing to Eliminate the distance in hopes that he can touch them, restore them, speak to them, embrace them, give them hope, deliver them, raise them up um, and ultimately be everything to them and put to death in them the works of the enemy, the deeds of darkness, the corruption of sin that again in an immediate way promises to satisfy and lead to life but only brings us to death but that Jesus has overcome sin. He's defeated death because he desired that we would be able to be alive with him forever on the other side of the grave. Praise God forever that he has joined us on the journey. He has come into our story. He is a man forever glorified in the heavens and not just any man, but he is the God man. And those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And I wonder who in this season is living in darkness. And they just, they just need somebody. They just need somebody rather than piggybacking all of the shame rather than piggybacking all of the condemnation, rather than just joining into the crowd of voices with all of the guilt and all of the accusations and all of the flood, the tidal wave of all of what may be true. All of what may be true. Again, this isn't saying like we got to fake the funk, like it's not true. I had people tell me all the time, You're a troublemaker, you're an addict, you're a problem, like like all of these things. Those things were true, they were true. But I wonder, well, let me first just say, that's not, that's not what did it for me, right? That's not what it says. That's not what the scripture says. It's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. It's his tenderness, it's his kindness. You see, if Jesus becoming a man tells us anything, Hebrews tells us that he's able to sympathize with those that come to him because he has shared in our humanity. Therefore, he has bore our weaknesses. He understands the frailty of humanity. He understands the challenges, the trials. He understands for being tempted in every way, though perfect, because he was without sin. He understands And it's why he is the ultimate high priest. It's why he is the mediator between God and man. It's why. And I wonder who in this season just needs somebody, anybody, somewhere to shine a bright light on them, to say, I know that's the way you're living, but that's not who you are. I know that's the way you've always been, but it doesn't have to be the way that you remain. There's hope because God has come to us. There's hope for the human story and for the human condition, right? Because as we've said, our hope is not found in suppression. Our hope is found in transformation. This is the hope that Jesus has brought in the power of the gospel, the wisdom of the cross, the shedding of his blood, the creation of a new community, the expression of one new man, a new people, a new version of human. This is being conformed to his image. It's not suppression, it's transformation. And this is where we find hope. God has not just come to empower suppression in our lives, where we can pretend like we have it all together, where we can pretend like our lives are Christmas card perfect, where we can pretend like we're living some fairy tale Hallmark movie, like we can pretend like all of the Instagram highlight reel of our lives are the only things happening about our lives. We're not supposed to be living in pretense. God has come with a message of transformation. I understand that's where you are. And that's why I've come. I understand that's where you are. And that's why I've come. I understand that that's what you've been going through. I understand that that's the way you were raised. I understand that that's always been a part of your makeup, your mindset. It's always been things that have lingered from within your own heart. I understand. And that's exactly why I've come. for. A child will be born to us and a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. I'm praying that in this season you would cast your burdens upon the Lord. I'm praying that in this season you would help others to cast their burdens upon the Lord. Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Man, may the zeal of the Lord of hosts accomplish this in this season. Um, we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And, and I'm going to pray very specifically for all of the family things. Um, and if, if your family is perfect, then maybe, maybe you don't need me to pray for you. Um, But mine's not and there are things that I'm really believing for and longing to see God do And so rather than I'm suppressing those things and just trying to do my best I'm longing for God to transform those things I'm longing for him to transform those things Um, And if it be that I am to be the man in the middle of the mess um, As a preacher of hope as a bright light um, and, I, and I, again, it's not me, but it's Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. I can't change anybody. That There's no amount of shaming. There's no amount of condemning. There's no amount of attempting to convince um, that's ever going to do it in a sustainable way. It's got to be that they see this beautiful man, that they see the Christ. Um, it's Jesus that saves. It's Jesus that transforms. It's Jesus that delivers. It's Jesus that redeems. It's Jesus It's Jesus. That's the whole point. The whole point is, it's Jesus. And I'm going to pray for your family that in this season, Jesus would be revealed. Um, That he would be revealed and that quite possibly he would be revealed through you in the way that God would use you this season in order for that bright light to be able to shine. And that he would use you as the man in the middle of the mess, to draw close, to come near. And again, um, even as we said of Jesus, that he didn't just choose to enjoy his own luxury as a way to create distance from the brokenness, from the suffering of humanity, but he entered into the story. He joined them on the journey. And, And for whatever that means, Whatever that means, whatever that looks like, man, may God's wisdom fill our hearts, but may we be available, right? Sometimes we're not even available. Sometimes we're just not even available. And that's the problem. Um, but, But as we say yes to be available, may God's wisdom fill our hearts. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We pray that it has fanned into flame the love that you have for him. If you would like more information about Burning Ones, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on social media, visit our website, burningones.org, or download our app.